Hello and welcome to the Crypto Explorer, a podcast by Signum Bank, designed to bring you closer to the world of crypto and to the future of finance. I'm your host, Alia Dasgupta, and today I am joined by Nadia Alvarez from MakerDAO and Nesta Palau from Signum Bank. Thank you both so much for joining me. Uh, we're going to be talking about stable coins, centralized and decentralized, um, the growth of the CBDCs, how that's going to impact our crypto ecosystem, and also how we're going to see them evolve. Uh, but before we really dive into it, uh, let's maybe start with a round of introductions. Uh, Nadia, would you like to go first? Of course. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Yes, I'm, I'm Nadia. I'm head of growth at MakerDAO. Yeah, I've been in crypto since, I think, 2016, some, something like that. I don't know. Uh, my first job in crypto was Maker, uh, and I'm okay. still at Maker because uh, I'm super passionate about uh, what we are doing, about uh, how the protocol works, about like the community in general. And uh, yeah, 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 that's, that's me. <laughs> Amazing. And maybe in like a couple of sentences, you can tell us what does MakerDAO do? Who are they? What do they do? Yeah, well, MakerDAO is a centralized protocol on Ethereum. It works as a, as a, as a loan service. And with, with each loan, the protocol means DAI, which is a stable coin, a decentralized stable coin, over collateralized with other assets. And the stable coin is pegged to the dollar. All right, cool. That's super interesting. And we're going to dive more into this. But uh, before yeah. that, Nestor, <laughs> tell yes. us about you. Thank you. No, first of all, thanks for having me, Alia. It, it's a pleas pleasure to participate with Nadia. So on my side, Nestor Palau, I joined uh, Signum about two years ago, um, working on the sales team as the head of DLT and corporate clients. Before Signum, my, my background is in banking and finance. That, that quite resonates well with, with what a bank is, despite we like to call ourselves more a, a technology company more than Mac, but I spent my entire career in the crypto space, basically joining the, the industry back in, in 2015 by participating in one of the first startups in the industry in Europe, joining the, the founding team and afterwards also doing research activities in the in the industry. Yeah, also quite excited to join the, the conversation maker and, and the stable points in general. Super, awesome. Uh, thanks guys again for being here. And first, I think the most kind of um, starting question I would have about MakerDAO or even just the concept of stable coins, like why are they important? Why does the crypto ecosystem even need a stable coin? And maybe I take this on to Nadia. <laughs> yeah, stable coins are important in uh, uh, to develop any financial services. And I think that when 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 Bitcoin started everything, it, it opened a lot of uh, possibilities. But still, having a, a token that represented a currency that wasn't stable, it makes things harder. In case you want mm -hmm. to like pay for services or just like accept Bitcoin as a payment or like save your money on Bitcoin, uh, it is good for uh, it's good to speculate like. To speculate on on the future value, but it's hard. Like if you want to uh, use it as you will use like any currency as money. So I think that that was like the 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 first reason why uh, the community in general decided that having a stable coin 
uh, was important. So uh, it started like that. I, I think USDT was the, the first one and the most used one uh, until now, I guess. Uh, and uh, it has different uses. Like I, I think it, it started as a tool uh, on trading. So anytime you needed like to stay in a stable currency uh, because you think that the Bitcoin or like any other volatile token was going to fluctu fluctuate in price, well, you you was you were using stable coins. Same if you mm -hmm. needed to like send money for a transaction or, or things like that, you were using stable coins. But uh, I think on, uh, like since that things have evolved a lot. And um, and now we can find a lot of uses of uh, stable coins. So uh, I think like it, it is also because the DeFi ecosystem has evolved and has created a lot of uh, new use cases. And, and, and I think it was because uh, stable coins were there. So you can think now about stable coins as uh, the same as you think in any any currency. So you have uh, savings accounts, investment uh, opportunities, investment accounts, of course, uh, futures, synthetics, uh, insurance. Uh, I don't know, uh, like so many things that you can do with the stable coins now. Uh, so so yeah, that's so, like uh, so my, my quick review. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nestor, what do you want to add to that? No, I mean, I, I think it's obvious for all of us that the crypto space, as we know, the industry emerged first with the innovations that Bitcoin brought to us. And that has an underlying, you know, uh, monetary use case imprinted in it. So basically this idea of the digital gold. Now we realize at the earliest stages that uh, the volatility of Bitcoin was quite high. To, to have it as, as medium of exchange, more than a store of value. So the idea of a stable coins resonated well in the industry and, and also facilitated certain use cases, as Nadia said, in a DeFi space and so on. First with the creation of, of USDT and then other decentralized stable coins emerging in the space, such as the case of DAI and USD and, and some others. I mean, I'll ask a controversial question, and uh, <laughs> that is, isn't the concept of uh, cryptocurrencies to kind of live in this decentralized ethos and then by the very nature of being pegged to something that is centralized, how how do you live with this sort of uh, dis dissonance? <laughs> Not mm, even maybe. No, I, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think that, that um, I mean, uh, uh, like, you can have a stable coin that is decentralized like DAI. So you use the dollar as a reference and and you use it not because the dollar uh, represents something centralized, but because the dollar is still is like uh, a, a reference in, in the financial world. That's the only mm -hmm. reason why DAI is pegged to the dollar. But Interestingly, fact is that right now in in Web three, there are a lot of uh, projects thinking about a stable coin pegged to a Web three something. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I think that the idea will evolve in the next years, but still is too new because Web three, like the the adoption of crypto and Web three in general, is still starting. Uh, so mm -hmm. we still need uh, to have a reference in like in, in 
in the traditional world. And that's the only reason why we, we use we use USD like the like the dollar as a reference. So that's one thing. The other one is you can decide how you're going to back your stable coin. So mm-hmm. in the case of USDT or USDC, those are centralized stable coins that are using the dollar as a reference, but they are also using dollars, like physical dollars, backing the price of that stable coin. Yeah. Uh, in the case of DAI, we are a centralized stable coin, although we are pegged to the dollar. But what is backing DAI is not like dollars in a bank account. What is What backs mm-hmm. DAI are different collaterals that are locked into smart contracts. So that's that's why uh, we say the DAI is a decentralized stable coin. Right. No, I fully agree with Nadia. To simplify things, I would say that the industry has not yet gone that far to kind of question whether being pegged to USD or having USD as reference was was the right decision. I mean, as Nadia also said, there are different conversations ongoing on whether developing kind of a web free index and having that as reference for the industry will allow us to depeg from from tra- traditional like <laughs> nation states that we know. Uh, but as I said, I think we haven't yet gone that far. At the end of the day, you know, the innovation that stable coins brought to the table was this kind of disintermediation for the financial system. Basically, there we have now DeFi markets where billions and billions are interacted and, and the supply of stable coins now, I would say, is around the 50 billion in total. So, so you know, we have been able to bring 50 billion in assets from a kind of traditional financial system into into a more disintermediated market in which interacting between each other and sending each other's uh, stable coins is, is a matter of a second and, and super low cost, depending on the on the <laughs> network as well. But uh, this can be arguable. But uh, but but this is the for now the main innovation of 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 a stable coins. And at the end of the day, you know the reference currency we use in traditional kind of Web one or, or traditional world is still USD. Um, there is an important you know uh, discussion there whether there will be any uh, stable coins back to Swissies or back to euros mm-hmm. to other currencies to provide kind of more security to the entire ecosystem because now if there is. <laughs> a, a a problem in the US probably also will highly impact the industry. Uh, there, I think the discussion is more on on, on negative interest rates, but uh, but I think we are going in the right direction. First, we achieve mass adoption of stable coins and mm-hmm. and many use cases that intermediate uh, traditional financial services such as lending, uh, options trading, and so on. Um, and now the 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 next step will be to think how we can make this more secure and less dependent on the on traditional financial systems. <laughs> but for example, what, what DAI is doing and Maker is doing in that direction by, you know, as, as Nadia mentioned, there are some stable coins that are uh, are backed by, by real dollar in a bank account. And there are others such as DAI, the innovation that Maker brought to the market that are decentralized in its nature. So, so that's, probably uh, the, the next step in, in this, yeah. And, and maybe uh, based on what you were saying, actually, 
you said that a lot of the crypto ecosystem is somewhat based on uh, the dollar and is denominated in the dollar. And that was probably a decision or kind of something that happened without thinking too much about it early on and then sort of became the industry standard. But do you see really the shift moving into maybe a digital uh, Swiss franc or the euro? And is even MakerDAO thinking about something like this? Um, how do you see this evolving? Yes, of course, we we always since the beginning, we thought about uh, like how how this how the maker protocol will evolve, because we think that, OK, for now, we should use uh, the dollar as a reference, but we don't know what will happen in the future. And for maker, it's, it's even easier than for uh, other protocol, I guess, in the future, because for us, it's just like a, a reference. Now we use the dollar as a reference, but if we decide tomorrow that a DAI should be pegged to the euro, that's like, well, it has to be approved by the DAO, but it's <laughs> something that technically technically is possible. And in the back, you have all the collateral that is not just uh, dollars, like in other mm -hmm. stable coins, but are different, different, different tokens, assets. Like that's why actually the, 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 complete name of DAI is multi-collateral DAI because we mm -hmm. use different collaterals to back the price of the DAI. So in the end, it doesn't matter like what is your reference, if it's the dollar, uh, the euro or any other currency, what matters is uh, the collateral that you have backing up the price of that stable coin. So yes, definitely that that's something we have uh, been thinking about. It's not something that is on the uh, and uh, 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 like something that we are going to do uh, in the next few years, but uh, <laughs> although unless unless we see the urgency, <laughs> but for now we have we have other priorities uh, for the protocol. Mm, so yeah. Don't I, I think Nadia that that point you brought up about this MCD this multi custody mu sorry multi collateral. Uh, multi asset collateral that you are bringing up. It's really interesting because at the end of the day, we are going back in history when 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 fiat currencies were backed by gold, then the, the gold standard was over. And now we have the not the issue, but kind of the intermediation of the central banks deciding uh, how much money to print and so on. We are basically with this point that you introduced, we are going back in history, kind of rethinking what has to what 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 do we want to back uh, fiat or, or our stable coins? And in your case, could, could you add more on these, on, on what are the kind of assets that you are thinking, whether can this be gold or can this be even assets like real estate and, and so on? What's going on in there? What are the discussions that you are having? It? <laughs> yes, well, uh, well, DAI started a single collateral DAI. It was mm -hmm. like the, the first version of DAI. And at that time, DAI was backed uh, by Ethereum, by Ether. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, the idea always was to become, to create a multicultural DAI, because if you have different assets backing the DAI, that will, uh, that will reduce uh, the correlation between the assets and uh, between the assets that are backing the uh, DAI. So we started with that idea, but always thinking that, okay, we have also to add something different than crypto collaterals, because if you see how the price of crypto fluctuates, they are all very uh, correlated between them. So if the, the if Bitcoin price goes down, 
all the cryptocurrencies goes down. So, okay, like it was good to have different crypto collaterals, but still we needed different assets to reduce that correlation. And uh, that's why we are doing great, like great, 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 great efforts. And that's our priority one now in introducing real world assets as collateral. When we say real world assets, we are referring to real estate, uh, bonds, uh, invoices, um, things that exist in the traditional world that could be tokenized and used as a collateral inside the maker protocol to mint new die. That's super interesting and also very challenging for the protocol because it is a mix between the Web3 world and the traditional world. So the Web3 world yes. is defined by smart contracts, decentralization, uh, total transparency, and the traditional finance world is all about agreements, uh, lawyers. Um, you can be that transparent because you have maybe NDAs uh, to sign. Uh, so we are trying to create a bridge between those both worlds to, uh, to have these real world assets inside the maker protocol. So that's, that's, that's what Wonderful. It, the multilateral die is about. Yes, it, for me, it's, it's, it's amazing because actually right now we are thinking about, okay, we, we want to go, uh, like, we, we, we want to think this like even better and just not having any real world asset as collateral, but we want to like implement what we call clean money and is mm -hmm. trying to have a, try to have projects that are doing something to improve uh, the environmental conditions as collaterals in the protocol. So in that way, okay. DAI will be backed by this kind of projects, uh, then solar farms wow. or um, uh, carbon credits, offsets, things like that. So that's wow. like the next thing we want to bring to the protocol. Oh, yeah. I saw a headline last year about this, no, that uh, MakerDAO is actually buying solar farms in the U.S. or something like this. Well, we are not buying uh, because or MakerDAO, <laughs> yes, yes, we course, lend yeah. to projects <laughs> that are yeah. uh, doing something related to uh, to this. Wow, that's uh, it's already quite far along then, all the things yes. you're talking about. That's that's super exciting. Super interesting. And also, like, just the concept of having money that means something. Because yes. today, like, you see the U.S. just, like, printing out money. And it's... And it, Promise you, of pay. Yeah, and you're seeing, like, this uh, the crazy inflation that we were all threatened with last year that potentially is coming now. And now when you're talking about actually having a currency that has that is backed by something that actually has value, that, that already sounds really exciting, even to a layperson. While still maintaining the, the decentralized nature of, of being in the space and, and, you know, being used to interact within each other within the industry. Yeah, yeah. It's super interesting. And having um, a DAO actually vote on different proposals that come up for... Um, <clears throat> to accept this into the ecosystem rather than having five guys in a room somewhere. Um, yeah. But as we're talking about sort of this, you know, the new currency, we've heard a lot of uh, 
kind of pilot projects that have run out, but also now that are actually being formally launched with the digital uh, or CBDCs, so central bank digital currencies. And I was wondering how you think those would integrate with existing DeFi systems and also what this could mean for our existing stable coins. Mm, well, I, I think it, it will be interesting because I think CBDC, what, what uh, they do is they will bring crypto to mainstream. In the end, that's how I see it. But uh, mm -hmm. it, depending on how they implement, uh, how every country decides on, 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 on how to implement these this tokens, uh, well, that will that decision will impact how you can interact with the DeFi ecosystem, and that's why the, the reason of that is because uh, DeFi it's all about decentralization and transparency, and it's because like all the DeFi projects that are on Ethereum, they are all decentralized, super transparent. Like you can track. Uh, any transaction that happens there, you can see what's happening there. Like this, there's no secret. But if you create a DeFi ecosystem inside a private blockchain, where just like a few people have access to, then that will like be <laughs> another paradigm and a, and a completely different uh, uh, situation. And uh, I think DeFi and crypto will will be the same. Even if the CBDCs are are used by uh, all the countries, because what what crypto and DeFi are bringing uh, is this transparency, decentralization, and uh, be the completely owner of your funds and uh, making the decisions that you think are the best for your financial position. Uh, I think CBDC, depending on how it's implemented. It could be like that or not. It could be more of the same, but with, with a lot of more control from the governments to the how they issue their currencies and all the rules that they can apply to, mm -hmm. uh, to the currencies. So I think we have to wait. Like we are speculating a lot about that. <laughs> but, uh, but I think we, we all agree that uh, in general terms, this is interesting for... Uh, everyone because CBDCs will bring crypto to mainstream and that will initiate in you like okay so this exists now I can't decide I want to mm -hmm. use a CBDC like more centralized with all these uh, features or I can uh, look for a more decentralized solution more transparent solution so I think in the end for me I, I always love to have options and uh, that uh, when when people ask me so what do you think about DAI versus USDC I for <laughs> me it's 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 great that you can you can choose between different options mm -hmm. I think that's that's what we need more options <laughs> so uh, in, in my opinion first of all I think we should be happy of, of seeing governments embracing crypto in this in this sense instead of just stopping or taking a more defensive approach uh embracing the technology and jumping in by launching their their stable coins kind of uh cbdc's um i agree with nadia that that 
I mean, given that this is something really, really new, we will need to see first what's the implementation, whether they, they end up building something on a public network, like uh, I would dream seeing uh, a digital uh, Swiss franc uh, issued by the, by the Swiss National Bank on Ethereum or any other public blockchain. Um, I see some cases in which more other governments will probably tend to launch their private uh, blockchains. And, and in such cases, you know, we all are not fans or of, of private blockchains and, and these are just databases controlled by, by certain counterparties. So we'll probably, these type of CBDCs will probably just, just serve as a way to control flows of capital as in the, in the banking system. Um, and, and, you know, certainly I'm not against the central banks controlling the issuance of these coins, but when it happens on a public network, so, so we can all monitor the, first of all, the issuance of the capital and second, the flows as well. And, and, and as Nadia said, ha having the understanding that, or, you know, having the knowledge that, that we have control over our money by having my, okay, probably my CBDC in my own wallet. And then I decide whether I want to interact with the Aave or with Maker, with Compound, with any DeFi platform that probably also launches a version for the CBDCs. And then I participate of those as, as said by Nadia, this, this allows us to have even more capacity to decide whether I want to go with a super decentralized alternative like DAI that is probably in the future backed by, by, by other assets different, uh, from, from the current ones. Um, as, as said, a stream with real estate, with solar panels, with, with many other different assets that we cannot envision at the moment. I can go also with other more centralized alternatives or directly I can go with CBDCs. I think it will really harm those stable coins that are currently backed by reserves, like in the case of USDC or Tether, uh, CBDCs, because at the end of the day, you know, you have much more protection if in the case that there is a CBDC running on a public network, you have kind of more protection with that, that than having, you know, your capital with a single counterparty, with a single bank account, mm -hmm. holding your, your USD that, that, you know, proves the reserves of your stable coin. So, yeah. So, I mean, both of you are in a sense talking about a potential future where you have um, a CBDC potentially that is running on a private blockchain um, managed by a government, which would potentially have its own kind of DeFi ecosystem built within it. And then also a kind of supra layer where things are actually decentralized and people are using um, some kind of uh, a, a representation of these CBDCs on um on a more decentralized, higher layer. Does, does that make sense? Is that what you're yes. kind of envisioning? Yes. I mean, I, I think that's exactly the case, or at least what we dream <laughs> for. I think at one point of the game, the governments or public institutions understood that, that crypto is here to stay and probably they can stop it in some ways, as for example, some governments did against mining and so on. But in, in many other applications, it's not a centralized counterparty controlling, you know, the, the interface and so on. So anyone can go fork it and run, run, uh, the code anywhere again. And even if, if there is a centralized institution trying to stop it, I can go uh, infinite times uh, forking it and, and running it again. So, so it's hard to uh, stop. And then, you know, the only possibility for them is to launch these CBDCs and, and try to imply certain control over the issuance and also the flows. But at the end of the day, also embracing the development of, of 
crypto in the industry and also DeFi as a way to, you know, limit the, the intermediaries as part of the process. I think that's, I hope that that's where we <laughs> head. And I, I really think it's, it's where we go. Um, and these will, again, you know, the mass adoption that we are facing now in DeFi with a hundred billion in assets locked in the DeFi, in the different platforms, um, is, is just the beginning, but, but basically we have a bright future ahead if this really happens, because as, as Nadia said, these CBDCs will give the final confidence to those that have not yet jumped in the industry to have the sufficient confidence that, okay, you know, while, while embracing public networks and decentralized technologies, I also have the backing of, of a CBDC, uh, that is issued by a government. So I know that my reserves are protected, you know, by this government not, not going bankrupt. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What's your view, Nadia? Well, uh, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess, yes, definitely we, we are seeing how a multi-chain universe starts to emerge. So mm-hmm. it won't be just Ethereum and Bitcoin. Uh, and, and we are seeing that now it is Ethereum, Bitcoin, Solana, Avalanche, uh, Polygon, and uh, you name it. Uh, and I think CBDCs are going to be like one chain more with its mm-hmm. own features and its own dApps. Uh, so uh, like what, what at the end we all, we will be building our bridges between all these networks. So mm-hmm. what I assume, but is this, this is just like speculating because uh, none of this exists yet, but I assume that uh, there will be some more controlled blockchains or networks where you have to uh, whitelist your address KYC yourself to be able to use the services that this network offers to you. So I guess uh, that 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 probably will be what uh, the CBDCs will offer you. So instead of having a, a bank account uh, with uh, your local currency, you will be able to have access to this this whitelisted DeFi ecosystem. And Mm -hmm. I think we are seeing now like a lot of these with institutions. Uh, Mm -hmm. Institutions, of course, they are are super regulated and they need this this kind of of, uh, close environments where they all are going to interact with other whitelisted institutions. Uh, So I guess, I guess that's, that's, the future, like different options, different networks, some networks more permissionless <laughs> and decentralized, some other more centralized and that requires KYC. And, but also that's, that's, that's good for some users. I, I mean, if, if you can have like a, um, um, a, a team that can assist you in case you don't remember like your keys or you lost <laughs> access to your wallet or whatever. Sure. That's also good. So in the end, if, if we want, yes, if we want more people like coming to crypto, I think we need different solutions for each profile. So, so I, I think we are even seeing these nowadays more and more. Uh, we have the case of Aave launching Aave Arc. We have Compound also launching a Compound Treasury. We have One Inch launching One Inch Pro, and and all decentralized finance protocols kind of offering the alternatives for institutions. I think even we at Signum we see here our role a bit, serving as a front end into DeFi in a regulated manner 
and and ensuring like full peace of mind for our clients, knowing that when they interact into the into the into these DeFi applications, they are doing so with full you know auditability uh, and, and and full regulatory clarity. Um, as you said again, here is enabling the user to decide uh, what's the what's the kind of service he wants, uh, either going through the permissionless manner. Uh, perhaps through a channel that is already KYCing uh, him or her, uh, or or directly going into the the permissioned uh, network where I can benefit of the of you know the features of 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 decentralized finance such as this intermediation and so on, while also you know going through a through a fully regulated partner. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, interesting to see how we're going to see the centralized and decentralized world sort of um, coexist because neither is, I think, going away. And in some forms, you still always need the oversight and regulation of a government, like where you're talking about, you know, losing keys or having someone be able to help you if you lose all of your assets overnight and so on and so forth. So um, as we're talking also about... Um, you know, uh, these lending use cases that you were talking uh, when bringing these different sorts of um, assets as collateral in uh, DAI. Um, one of the questions that we were sort of thinking about was, um, what sorts of use cases do you primarily see emerging from this? So are these people mostly just looking for leverage in the market? Are these people kind of just storing their assets to earn a little bit of um uh, a return, or is it also more people looking to kind of use this currency as their uh, daily expenses in perhaps more emerging markets and economies where the governments or economies are not as stable? And yeah, Nadia's. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, very interesting question because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, well, I, as I told you before, I have been in Maker like for the last. I don't know four years, so I have seen it all. And uh, uh, before before being the head of growth, I was more focused on Latin America, and Latin America has uh, uh, different uh, uh, use cases. Or I mean, the use cases are always the same, but depending on the region, uh, you you will see how uh, people from one place. It uses DeFi and crypto different than people from another place. So uh, in Latin America, yes, definitely it is used as a currency, not as a mm -hmm. cryptocurrency. Uh, and that means you will find people that prefers to uh, have their salary in crypto, uh, in wow. stable coins. Mm -hmm. You will wow. find people that uh, prefers to, like, instead of having a, a bank account. Uh, but I mean, you have to understand the context. We are, I'm talking about like people in, in Venezuela and Argentina who have lost trust on the financial system because of all the uh, the problems that they have in their countries, uh, hyperinflation, mm -hmm. devaluation, uh, the banks not giving them a good uh, response. So they prefer to like learn about crypto instead of having a bank account. So people are using crypto as their bank, uh, they are saving money on crypto, they are investing in crypto. Uh, so that's why I say it. in Latin America, you can find a lot of people. That's why we, mm -hmm. we talk about at, like a high adoption in Latin America, because they are using it as a currency. Mm -hmm. uh, and what happens? They don't spend 
in stable coins because you always are going to spend in the currency that uh, that is it has less value for you. So they mm-hmm. are always spending. They they prefer to save money in in die, for example. Uh, mm-hmm. But if they have to pay for a coffee, they they won't they won't spend their values die. They prefer <laughs> okay. to convert it to 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 the local currency and pay it with the local local currency. So wow. that's what we are seeing mm-hmm. uh, in in these countries, and uh, and of course you can see also how how uh, people there starting to learn more about crypto and and how that helped them to like become more uh i don't know to like start doing some different things so in the beginning they just like i don't know started saving uh, their money in a stable coin and maybe earning some yield on it so a very mm-hmm. passive investor profile but after four years of being exposed to crypto, you can see how they started to buy uh, other tokens, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and started to using that token as a reserve of value, use it as collateral, and get loans on a stablecoin. Because again, you don't want you you pref- you always will prefer to spend the currency that uh, for you has the less value. Weak so between you. Yeah, the weakest one. So between uh, Ethereum, Bitcoin, or a stablecoin, you prefer like to uh, be long on those tokens and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, take loans on a stablecoin and spend that uh, spend that money. And that's the same thing that we see on on Europe and North America. So people who like. Uh, are long into crypto, they use that as collateral, they get crypto loans to different things. It could be for their daily base spending. So you can see a lot of uh, crypto cards taking DAI, but that DAI really comes from the maker protocol. They are like taking loans mm-hmm. and um, or for leverage. Uh, so like yes. to just like accumulate more cryptocurrencies and be uh, long into those so mm-hmm. so i think it's it's just like part of the same puzzle but depending on your exposure to crypto and the understanding you have about the different financial aspects you you can be like you can have like like be more like into the conservative uh, risk profile and just like earn passive yield on your on your uh, crypto balance or go after leverage or loans or other things more riskier. Yes. So, I I mean, if we think how a stablecoin's emerge was, uh, as, as you mentioned, USDT was the first stablecoin in the market. Probably there were a few experiments before, but the one that gained most adoption uh, was Tether, and Tether was issued by a team related to Bitfinex, which is a crypto exchange. So so the first use case where stablecoins were were moving capital easily between one place and and other in the industry basically sending sending money from one crypto address into other um, basically these for for many crypto funds and for many traders is important so they have the ability uh to move capital and take advantage of arbitrage opportunities 
uh, in time. Now, when when I send a wire from my bank account, uh, it uh, on the Swift uh, environment, it takes probably 24 to 48 hours to settle on a destination account. Well, if I send uh, 10,000 USDCs or dies or or USDTs over my from my Ethereum wallet to Nadia's wallet, it, it takes well 20 seconds um, on the Ethereum blockchain. So. Basically, this was the first use case that that brought up the idea or, or drove attention to this to the concept of stablecoins. And afterwards, I think it was it was also of, of real importance. You know, many weak economies or economies that are less stable, so to say, better um, adopt the stablecoins as a way for those that are unbanked to have an easy way to access U.S. dollar, which is sometimes limited or even forbidden in their in their countries now the emergence of of defi and all these defi applications is is just a wake-up call for for everyone now if i put my us dollar on my bank account my traditional bank i earn uh well i even have to pay in in some <laughs> cases while if i just go to maker if i go to compound if i go to Aave, i can start lending my my assets uh, and earning four five six percent on my holdings just being passively, just keeping my my balance in my account as a, you know, interest account, but an interest account running in crypto. Exactly. I mean, there's. Um, I think now when we're seeing the focus of these sorts of stable coins, in one sense, as you're saying, there's a future where we have different sorts of collateral come in to really give this a more intrinsic value, but also in the case of. Um, people today who don't have access to stable governments or stable economies where they can trust that their hard earnings, hard earned earnings are uh, going to continue to serve them into the future. In many of these ways, um, stable coins actually offer quite a lot of um, support and comfort, I think, to, uh, to, to actors in the ecosystem. No, I would have a question for Nadia. What, what now stable coins reach uh, 50 billion in, in, total supply. What's next to turn this 50 billion into 5 uh, trillion? <laughs> Do you think it's CBDCs or, or is, there, is there any, you know, part in which, for example, more centralized institutions that we are interacting with DeFi and that we are crypto native can play a major role? Yeah, uh, I think, I think the next step is what we are living now is, is, is like having all these traditional companies uh, using DeFi and start offering those DeFi services as a service to their to their users. I think that will uh, will help the crypto ecosystem to even grow to grow even more. Uh, and that's because like the uh, the money that is moved in the traditional finance world is is, is like huge compared uh, to what we have in crypto. Uh, I think yes for all crypto projects and and that's why we i think we are we all are doing that effort is to uh like think about the next step and think about how to interact with with institutions with uh, uh, traditional companies and how to start providing these these defi services to them uh as i said it's 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 very challenging because we also are super committed with the ethos of the crypto community. So we have to be careful and to really think on how to how to do that next step without compromise 
all the decentralization, transparency uh, that we have reached until now. And and that's like that's the key. And and I think that that is also why a lot of people criticize, for example, Ethereum, because they all they all said, no, but you can see like more um maybe maybe other networks that can support more transactions and that can uh, cost less uh, money when you when you you make a transaction and yes that's true but uh, the ethereum ecosystem has like this this ethos like really really alive and uh, for us it's super important to think about yes we want to uh, offer services to everyone but keeping this decentralization value alive yes. so yeah i think that's we have to that's the challenge for all of us i can imagine i think whether <laughs> whether it's a debt backed model as in the case of dai with maker loans whether it's a centralized stable coin being this uh, one that keeps the collateral in the bank account or a CBDC, whether uh, is is one of those that is algorithmically, you know, adjusts in the case of USD in the Terra ecosystem. Um, we have so far proven adoption of stable coins, and now we have to take advantage of, of the yields that, that we see present in the DeFi ecosystem, thanks to the basically the volatility of the industry and the demand that is for loans uh, to, to trade and so on, to kind of call those clients and, and well, or institutional clients that, that are seeing their, their balances, fiat balances on normal bank accounts going negative while having the opportunity to, to, to earn or, or, you know, make a four or 5% on their holdings simply by, by joining the DeFi ecosystem. So. I think Maker will continue playing a major role in this. And, and we are, I mean, I, I'm at least super excited to see all these new forms of collateral that you are planning to, to involve. <laughs> we will be following the DAO. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and it's been such a pleasure to speak to you both and to talk about slightly more conceptually how stablecoins are impacting our DeFi ecosystem and how we're going to see it grow in the future. Um, thank you both very much for coming on the show. To our listeners, if you have ideas about uh, topics we can cover, guests who you think might have something interesting to share, please write in to podcast at signum.com. And until next time, ciao.